is on the guest. And I'm like, fuck, what I do I have to say? I'm counting you in. One, two, three, four. Boom. <laughs> Bro, I thought we were nervous last week. Yeah. Now it's like way worse. I'm can't, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, I was close to pulling a sickie. Do you know what I mean? Just being like, oh, look, listen, guys, I can't, actually, I can't actually make this one. I'm a bit too scared and intimidated. Um, but, mate, no, I'm oh good, my man. God. We have, like, a real guest that's actually accomplished stuff in his life coming up later, so we'll get into that in a bit. But the first thing up, just to break the ice, Eddie's going to jump on his kit right now and play me a fat groove. Yeah? Yep, do it. Okay, all right. Wait, two seconds, two seconds. I've got to bring my stool over. Okay. Hang on, hang now, on. while he runs to the kit, I'm just going to give you guys a heads up. I did not give him any heads up on this. There we go. <laughs> what a stud. And then he runs back over with his stool. I'll give him a little uh, break time while he gets his in-ears back in. Dude. Nicely done. All right. Give me a challenge. Anything you want. Oh, flipping out. Um, okay, this is... Um, okay, uh, go play a blast beat. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. My very first blast beat. Let's do it. He's done that before. He's bullshitting. He's done that before. Machine hurts. Machine's <laughs> on fire. Uh, I, I was um, I was just saying he's done that before. He's done. <laughs> no way. When the hell would I ever play? A I blast love that. Beat? You're like, yeah, I'm. Go- I'm not going to go to CrossFit this morning. Um, I'm actually just going to blast beat for like 20 minutes, 30 God minutes straight. Dang, the front of my shin is on fire. I, I don't know how people do it, mate. Honestly, it's ridiculous. All right, get on that kit and play something in seven. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I know his heart is just pounding through his chest right now. Oh no! Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. This. Oh my goodness. It's so oh hard. Goodness. I used to have this um this seven beat that I used to play in Soundcheck, which that was the only time I could actually practice it. And uh I completely forgot it and I completely forgot how to play seven then, but there we go, that's what happens. Bro. Bro, when you got it though, see that's the funny thing about you, is like you don't even know where you got that stuff from. That's all Vinny Caliuda. Like if I, I'm just gonna start sending you tracks and be like, hey, you know that thing that you think's all modern and hip? That stuff happened in 1993. That was, but that was killer, man. That was killer. All right, I'll I'll give you one more challenge for me. Uh, okay. All right. Um. Oh shit. What? Let me let me hear some jazz. Let me hear some jazz. Oh god, I'm yeah. the worst person. Okay. Okay. Oh god. Let me get out my five B nylon tip. Yeah. Let me um, hear some march. All right. I'm yeah. Let's, let's jazz it up. Let's jazz it up. Oh. You're Please. thinking, like, what the fuck? Uh, oh, I, I just gotta go. Screw it, screw it, screw it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. This is a way to kick off the episode, isn't it? My heart rate's flipping, booming. Here we go. Here we go. He's gonna kill it. He's gonna smash it. 
resources. Yeah, oh, mate, get me a cocktail. Get me a martini. Get me a tuxedo. Get, get me a cigarette. I love that. Yeah, mate, you smashed you smashed it. I was just saying, all, all I want now <laughs> is a, a little martini. I want a little cigarette. I don't even smoke. I want a cigarette, a martini, and I want to be in a tuxedo. Do you know what I mean? I just wanna, oh, my goodness. That's me. I, but, okay, I got to tell you the truth. That's The blast beat gave me no nerves whatsoever because I know what they are. I've never yeah. done one, but I know what they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm I've sorry. never been that nervous in my life. I'm so sorry to do that to you, mate. I mean, um, jazz, for me, it goes as far as... My first ever drum teacher said, Eddie, what do you like? And I just said food. And he went, cool. So I like to eat, like to eat, like to eat, like to, I like to eat. So that's the extent of my drumming and jazz is I like to eat. <laughs> so Ugh. you killed it compared to what most people would do. You know, you smashed it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. How are you doing, buddy? That's a good way to get started. Talk about it. I'm fucking sweating. Um, yeah, I'm really good, mate. I had boxing this morning, which was great um and then what else have i done oh not much really i've had like a time off the kit i had like a week off the kit um yeah so explain why you decided it sounded like you made a very specific decision to not play drums for a week yeah i just felt like like you say man the tide was out and i I didn't want to force it and it's been really good because i'm just loving playing along to music at the minute and not playing along to seven apparently (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah i just instantly forgot but i tell you what mate a side note from what i was just talking about playing on this podcast is a really nice way to sort of get this the sense of i don't know not not a clinic but that that feeling of like oh my god a lot of, i'm on the spot a lot of people are listening to me right now like when i made that mistake it was actually kind of nice to think oh yeah it doesn't matter though you know i just just keep on going and it's nice to put yeah. ourselves in these situations because of covid we haven't played live in forever we'll think about how many people can identify with a mistake versus somebody being flawless like our listeners are probably like thank god he didn't just go out there and drop a solo in seven like it was no big deal and and thank super god that mike sounds like a complete caucasian asshat playing jazz no (laughs) No, i've got to stop you there mate it was good it was good mate it was better than it was better than my one two three four five six seven one two it's like eddie you're you're saying seven mate but you're playing an eight yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that was the guy at college that i told you about before he like came in and was like i can do it i can play in seven and we were just like oh bless you we're gonna teach you about syllables (laughs) You're using more of them than we are. Oh, man. Well, that's good. Well, so I agree. As far as playing on this podcast, you and I have both been very lucky to play for massive crowds. When I just went out there and just the feeling of like, okay, at some point I'm going to count myself in and start a jazz swing pattern. I can't remember a concert that made me that flustered. Yeah. So, and it's crazy when, you know, I've done so many clinics. I remember doing a clinic with Ray Luzier from Corn, and I was thinking, okay, Ray does, we did a drum festival together and Ray does, you know, stadiums on a daily basis. But I was thinking, and I didn't ask him, so I, I can't speak for him, but I was thinking, I bet he's more nervous right now to come out to this crowd of maybe 200 drummers than he is for any stadium in the world. Because when you're in a stadium, or, or just a big club, let's say a sold out club, theater, whatever you want to call it, you see the faces of, of the people that are attending and you know, you're not a drummer. 
I could just play and you're going to just start clapping and everything's going to be good. And if I make a mistake, I'm good enough that you won't know that I made a mistake. When you come out to a room full of drummers and they start going, can you show me how to use flam accents around the drum set? I'm like, oh, God, here we go. You know this stuff, you know, yeah. and then they and then they put you on the spot. They and they start breaking things down. And then if you do make a flub, for some reason, your eye goes right to the person that's leaning over to his friend whispering. <laughs> like, shh, shh, shh. And you're like, oh, God, he knows that I missed it. He knows that I'm not in seven anymore. Oh, no. I know. Mate. I know it's terrifying, but it's um, it's the kind of stuff we need. I mean, I've always n- knew I always have known that I need to improve, improve in different time signatures. But that's just fucking, you know, the icing on the cake for me. But I do love that sort of. Okay, go, go do it. It's just like, right, no no thinking, just let's see yeah. what comes out and what comes out is the time that you chip away at these things in the practice room when no one's watching. And it's like, um, you know, we all talk about the last dance, isn't it? It's like when Michael Jordan comes yeah. on, it's like, right, just you haven't got time to think, you've got six seconds to win the game, do it. Right. And those, yeah. like you said before, I think, you know, those, year, those years and years of just practicing when no one's watching, that's when that stuff comes out and it's useful. So it's, a kind, of, it's kind of the same for us, isn't it? When someone says, right, blast beat, you're like, shit. Yeah, I mean, literally like- I can't 90... say no. <laughs> right. <laughs> you imagine Um, i'll pass uh can we have option two (laughs) that's how i felt when uh when you said jazz i was like can we have option two please could you please say like indian tabla rhythms or something simple compared to me playing jazz uh anyways that being said i hope that you all listening put yourselves in our position because as patreons hopefully we can put you guys through some of that stuff live on a on a podcast episode at some point in time let's get through the patreon stuff quickly uh, I do want to say thank you. You guys steered this thing in a direction that Eddie and I were behind the scenes hoping for. We did not want to go the ad-driven route. We are not um, fans of the way that ads would interrupt this podcast. And everything you guys said just steered us towards patron or listener supported. And we absolutely appreciate that. So we have officially launched our Patreon page. What is it, Eddie? It's a place where... Um me what and my f is the link bro oh okay <laughs> right okay sorry you guys just got the insight on how our friendship really works yeah, so so <laughs> you know when you thought you know when we were just talking about being on the spot yeah. i just thought oh fuck i'm gonna have to describe what patreon is and what it means to me and mike and what it means so my heart rate's going up but you just meant the link so uh, that's what's the page that's, so that's far better than what i just thought i was gonna have to go through um (laughs) i thought i was gonna have to like sell it and like what it means to me is blah 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 anyway the link ladies and gentlemen (laughs) is patreon.com forward slash i can't even say the link forward forward slash mike and eddie no it's not what am i doing mate it's (laughs) it's patreon.com forward slash drum with mike and Eddie. And the and is the word, not the. Not the ampersand. There we go. Yeah. I, <laughs> I said that I call it the and logo. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Uh, we had quite a few voice notes back and forth about whether we should use the and sign or the word and. It is the word and. So it's patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. And I don't want to put any pressure on y'all. But over the last two weeks, Eddie and I have received probably somewhere between seven and eight hundred DMs about this. If four of y'all sign up, <laughs> there's going to be hell to pay on episode 16. 
No, but we really appreciate your guys' support and we can't wait to get the community started. Just all the things that we can do once we have people instead of just random listeners, once we have people into lists and we can do special things. I mean, that first Zoom call is just going to be insane. It's going to be absolute insanity. It's going to be amazing, man. And plus the things that we can do on this podcast and the little things that we have got lined up, things that put us on the spot, things that make us feel uncomfortable. But as a group, as a community, we'll get through it and it'll be fun. It'll be funny and we can grow um, and help each other out, man. So I'm proper excited, mate. I'm very And the first like after clinic dinner. I mean, just I just want to give you guys a heads up in the top tier in tier three. You guys are on the guest list for all of our clinics. And that includes drum festivals when it, I mean, that's going to be amazing. Like to know, like to have a guest list and walk up to the front of a drum clinic and be like, I'm on the drum with Mike and Eddie list. Yeah. And they just go, Oh, right this way, ma'am. And Come on in. Come on we in, promise that it will never be the awkward thing where, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm actually on the guest list. <laughs> and you're like, you're not. You know that well, I've done that so many times, mate. Well, like that's the worst. When I first started going out of Rona, it's like, yeah, don't worry, babe. Yeah, we're on the guest list. Uh, what's oh, your name, uh, Eddie Thoreau? You're not. Oh shit. Uh, can you look under Edward? It might be under Edward. Yeah, yeah, yes. No, Maybe, not there yeah. either. Okay, cool. I'll just go by. Is it sold out? Okay, can you check we're, we're, under Benny Greb? It's under <laughs> Benny Greb, maybe? Is that it? Yeah, I got it. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm yeah. here. Oh, mate, I'm he so excited. Checked in. It's going to be so much <laughs> it's fun, It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right, so before we bring on our guest, by the way, this episode is all about drive. We're going to have a great chat about what drives us, but most importantly, the goal is through researching what has given us our drive to do what we've done in the past and our guest who is just, it's going to blow your mind. Um, it's really, well, how can we pass that stuff on to you and how can we make sure that you are fired up, especially in a time where it has not been easy to stay fired up about progressing and about new ventures and things, unless you, unless you kind of change it in your mind, if you see it through a different lens, 2020 for a lot of people became an opportunity. Um, and I think that that's an important thing to get to real quick. I have a question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, as a Tama artist, do you still peruse drum set gear in general? Like, are you a are you a drum nerd at all, or do you just know I'm a Tama guy? I'm locked in. Yeah, I yeah I do. I think I actually just like it's it's more symbols, mate. I think really yeah, okay. it's, it's more symbols. I just love the, yeah, I love looking around and seeing what else is out there. It's it's funny. I actually thought about this the other day. And I was looking at an Instagram post that I did and I was like, oh, it'd be cool to spice this up a bit, change my kit around, use something different. But it's just like, I love sitting down at the kit I've got and playing it. And I just, I don't want to force it. I don't want to force change. But um, yeah, I do. I do love looking around. My thing at the minute is snares, man. Like since getting that vintage snare, the 1984, I'm just like, wow. Like there's, like you said before, man, like a vintage drum, there's just more to it. There's, There's a lot more sort of, depth there There's soul to it, it man yeah, like exactly. that drum has lived through things i always think about my kit being loaded in and out of how many clubs i mean i got my kit from a company on the east coast so was it going in and out of nightclubs in new york city back in you know the 60s and 70s i don't know but in my head it was and in my head it's like sitting in the back of some old 70s creeper van and then there's a dude, just this jazz dude, having a fight with his chick, and the drum set's watching all of it. And the dude's like, you don't understand, babe. Jazz <laughs> is life. And she's like, I don't care. You never come home, and you haven't seen your son in 20 years. And that. like the kid's just witnessing all of this, and that vibe's just getting soaked into it. And I love that stuff, man. And there's 
there's something that I've tried to explain because I've done testing between, I mean, my kit is a, I have multiples of those exact sizes and that exact shell combination, but they're, they're all brand new. And then I have one from the sixties I've done tests. There's not a huge difference in sound, but I'm telling you, there is a difference in feel. When I play that drum set, it feels so much different than my brand new kits. 100%. Maybe like, maybe the, the actual kit may not physically feel too different in some, in some respect. Uh, it might, but it's how you feel playing it. Do you know what I mean? It's how yeah. you feel when you're playing that drum. And I love that, man. Yeah, I love that. So that's what I'm looking out for at the minute. Just seeing what other vintage snares are out there. I mean, I like, like you said, mate, if, if my snare drum could talk, flipping hell, I'd be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> i'll be i'll be locked away mate i love it man i love it it's just um yeah it's that whole what is this scene what has it been through what drummers played this and and yeah it's yeah. wicked man so um are, do you Pretty do cool, it man or are you sort of set now no i i mean that's still probably one of my favorite things to do you know we were talking about scrolling through um cars or shoes or whatever i really do enjoy snare drums are still the thing because i feel like a kit is such a big thing that I just don't see it as like, oh, let me check that out. Um, you know, it, it's just not something that I'm that into. But snares are the one thing that I can swap in and out whenever I want. And I just, yeah. And it, it that's a weird thing to say from somebody that has a signature snare drum. But I just feel that like, I, th- I feel like it's asinine to say, well, this is the best snare ever. This is the one size fits all. It's like, oh man, there's so many styles of music that I would never use my snare mm-hmm. for. So I still, I just love looking at snare drums, man. I mean, there's a company called AK Snares. Um, I believe his name is Adrian Kirchler um, or Kirchler. Anyways, he's somebody that I always look at and I've kind of promised myself that I would never get one purposely because I love that unattainable thing. Like, I don't know how much his snare drums cost, but I love looking at it and feeling like a kid that just can't get it. And I almost feel like I don't think I'd want to buy it. It would be I, I'm I'm hoping for that weird dream scenario where I do a clinic in Austria or something and he just happens to attend and he's like, hey, man, I've been following you for a long time and I made this drum for you. And like, that's what I want. I don't yeah. want to just buy one. I want a story, you know. Yeah. Hint, um, hint. So if you're listening, yeah, hey, sorry, sort uh, Adrian, out. if you're out there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort Mike out. Those drums, <laughs> Joyful Noise has some snares that I still freak out over. There's definitely some older Brady snare, not Brady, excuse me. I do love Brady snare drums from Australia, but um, some older Craviato snares that I still keep an eye on and I'm waiting for the right one to come up. And, but I'm also waiting for it not to come up because the search and the hunt is the excitement. Yeah, definitely, ma'am. I'm after the uh, Lars uh, signature snare. I don't know how it sounds. Yeah, I don't don't know how... (laughs) it sounds but it looks kind of crazy but i just want it i just i feel like yeah. snares it's like they're like watches or sneakers they're not too expensive but they're enough that you know you have to work a little bit harder to get it and when you yeah. get it it's you a have thing. to think about it yeah and you can stack them and it's you know you can look at them even if you're not <clears> playing them a kit it just sits in the flipping garage but a snare you can do a lot with them that's what i tell myself yeah anyway. absolutely no really i i mean you really can and it's funny too you talked about changing your set around and that made me immediately think okay i have all these snares here. I, I think I have about 50 or 55 here. Wow. I've got five kits here, I think, because I have a, another room for the campers that has two kits in it. And then I have a practice kit and all this stuff. But I rarely swap anything out. And then I look at somebody like Carter McLean, who on every video has a whole different thing. I think that has to be, we talked about your voice. Yeah. 
I think part of Carter's voice and people like him that are constantly swapping stuff out, it's not that they're not satisfied. It's that they're so musical and they hear those differences so well that they that part of their voice is exploration of sound. Mm. And I don't know that that's part of my voice. Part of my voice is this is the standardized kit. And I think that comes from being a teacher. I mean, the reason I play one up and one down is because as a teacher, I always thought, well, if I'm going to make a lesson plan, it has to be for a kit that everyone has access to. And I know that everyone that has a drum set, for the most part, has kick, snare, rack tom, and floor tom. Now, they might have a lot more than that, but they have at least that. Yeah. So I never wanted to write a, an exercise that involved 8-inch tom, 10-inch tom, 12-inch tom. And somebody's like, dude, I'm not I'm not in rush. I don't have that kit. So anyway, so I've always been like, this is the standardized drum set. I'm going to take this as far as I can. But... You know, sometimes you you find those Matt Chamberlains or Carter McLeans that just love to explore sounds. Oh, and man, yeah. I think as long as it's genuine, I love going through my feed and seeing like, oh, Carter set up something totally different. And the cool thing is it's never this is a better kit than the last one. It's just this sounds different. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes all in. That always happens with producers for me. Like when I'm like recording or writing an album, it's like oh, like, can we just try out this now? And I'm like, mate, just fucking do what you want, mate. You know, I'm, 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 more, I'm more focusing on like the playing and how to play for the song as opposed to, oh, well, I really think this snare will work. I have my, obviously, opinions, but yeah, I'm very much like, I will focus on my, I will try to match my playing to the song as much as possible. Um, right. But I do, I do like geeking out. There's a studio in Belgium that I go to a lot and it's just like, mate, the warehouse is just, you walk in, it's just snare drums, kits galore. And it's so nice to be like in this mid-eight for these like four bars, we're just going to use this deep snare and then it never yeah, gets yeah, used yeah, again. Yeah. It's nice to do that. Right. Uh, if you've got yeah, the time. No, I think that can be, I think recording, and that's why probably people like Carter that records so much or Matt Chamberlain, uh, Jason McGurr from Death Cab for Cutie. Those people have to explore sounds because they tried to make each track slightly different, you know, and the average public will never hear it, but they will feel it. That's how I feel about like when people would ask me like, why did you swap bass drums for a track and it's like you're never going to hear it but you will feel that it's different and and that's all i want all right well drum nerd time is over and it's time to bring on a guest deep breath because uh intellectually eddie and i are about to be outclassed just a little bit i just don't i just really don't want to be the dumb english guy who just says shit jokes do you know what i mean (laughs) i just i'm trying so hard not to be that guy but if it it, it calls for it i'm there mate um yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it all right so i'm gonna give him a ring now we'll see if we can get him in here all right everybody so we have our guest and our guest is going to be talking to us today about the topic of drive and what makes you a driven individual and he is one of the most driven individuals i know of so before i bring him on i do want to give you guys a little background first thing i want to do just so we have a little comparison is i'm going to give you my list of accomplishments then you get eddie thrower's list of accomplishments which would dwarf 98% of all human beings. And then I will give you our guest (laughs) list of accomplishments. Here comes Mike Johnston. Started teaching drums at Drum Guitar City at 17 years old. Yeah, 17. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Signed his first record deal at 21 with his band Simon Says. Don't act like you don't have the album. I know you guys do. Opened Sacramento's first drum school, the Drum Lab, in 2006. Thanks to a grant that his wife was able to get as being a minority business owner started an (laughs) online educational website for drummers in 2008 
Then, to push it even further, if it couldn't be pushed further, he started the world's leading podcast for drummers in 2020 with his co-host, Eddie Thrower. Boom. Boom. Now, on to Edward Thrower. Oh, mate. Joined LTA, otherwise known as Lower Than Atlantis, in 2010 and signed to both Island Records and Sony Music, releasing top 10 albums and had the most successful rock song of 2014. I'm assuming that was only in the UK. Start, started. I didn't want to started, put that in there. I wanted you to not say that so people thought, oh my God, this guy's a legend. But you just, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Sorry about that. No, Sorry about that. <clears throat> Let me just take that out. Started, <laughs> uh, started an educational membership uh, website, created a membership to help sneakerheads buy and sell sneakers. And he also started the world's leading podcast for drummers in 2020 with his co-host, Mike Johnston. All right. Now, to our guest, Mr. Lou Montulli created one of the first web browsers of all time in 1991. That would be the Lynx web browser. One of the founding engineers for Netscape back in 1994 contributed to many early web innovations, including cookies, the blink tag, HTTP proxying, proxy authentication, HTTP byte ranges, HTTPS over SSL, and encouraging the implementation of animated GIFs into the browser, and we will ask him if it's GIFs or GIFs. Then he left Netscape in 1998 to become a founding engineer and director of service engineering at epinions.com, which has now become shopping.com. He's also He was the co-founder of a new company in 2004 called Memory Matrix and developed technology to improve the consumer digital photography experience. In 2005, Memory Matrix was acquired by Shutterfly. Lou stayed at Shutterfly as VP of Client Engineering. In 2008, he became the co-founder of Zeta.net, a cloud storage company. Think about that, everybody. Cloud storage back in 2008. It's pretty badass. In 2015, he joined Jet Insight as co-founder and CTO. And he is also the developer, for all you drummers out there, he is the developer of the Groove Scribe. And he helped me immensely with that. And by helping me immensely with that, I mean, he did all the work. And I sat at his house looking at notation going, yeah, yeah, that looks right. Yeah, do more of that. No, no, put a rest in there. Uh, so Lou Montulli, my good friend, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. You left out my biggest accomplishment. It's being good friends with Mike Johnston. Oh, so sweet. oh my God. Oh, goodness gracious. How, how inferior do you feel right now, Eddie? Uh, I'm I'm absolutely I, shitting I myself. I feel like an mate. idiot. I'm absolutely <laughs> bricking myself. It's like I don't know how I can contribute to this apart from just being the host and letting it happen. Do you know what I mean? No, but in, <laughs> joking aside, I'm I'm actually it's it's nice to meet you, mate. Uh, Mike's spoken very highly of you, um, and yeah, it's nice to get someone on who is as amazing as you to talk about such an important and interesting subject. Fucking hell! I finished yeah. the sentence. I didn't muck up. <laughs> I didn't muck up. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Eddie. I, I think Mike just went through all that just to make me feel very uncomfortable because I really, I hate talking about all that stuff. I just like to be me. And when I'm in a, a room full of drummers, I just want to be a drummer and uh, nothing else. I will say uh, you've been to drum camp. That's how we met. You came to a drum camp quite a few years ago. You've been to quite a few camps. And through that experience, you and I became close friends. And you've been quite a mentor to me and a, and a great friend. But you always allow the camp experience to take shape and there's been camps where nobody knows about your past and nobody really knows what you've done and you just say i'm in you know software or something you'll say something very general and sometimes it just kind of comes out and they're like so wait a minute you you were <laughs> you were at netscape um so 
like I said, I don't want this to become an interview. This is three drummers just chatting about things, but you have a unique perspective on Drive. Before we get into Drive, let's just get the fun stuff out of the way. What is your current setup at home, your current kit at home? I know you've always been a bit of a hybrid drummer. Yeah, yeah. So I have a practice studio in my garage, and I have not really spent a lot of money trying to make it sound insulated. So I have a Roland kit. I have a TD50, which is actually a really great kit to play. It sounds very realistic when you're uh, when you're playing it. It you know it does have some problems with feel and other things, but as far as the electronic kits that I've played, it has the best mapping towards a real kit, and I try to tune it so it's as real as it as it can be in terms of feel. And then I use uh, real hi-hats with it because you really can't replicate the hi-hat experience. Oh my God, that's my wow. phone. Did that's you just the... have a tricorder go off? <laughs> that is my... You will my, never miss that, will you? My notification is a tricorder. I'm very nerdy. Yes, sorry. Well, the fact that I even was able to call out what it is tells you that I can equal you in nerdiness. Um, okay, and then you have quite a decent snare collection. Out of all your snares, besides one that has my name on it, give me your favorite. If you just had to take one snare to the studio, what would it be? Uh, I... I Generally playing uh, my Rogers Dynasonic when I play out most of the time. It's uh, it's I I generally play very quiet. Uh, well, I need to play in uh, quiet for the places that I play, and it it has really nice uh, quiet sound, and it has a, a dampener built in, and so it makes up for some of my bad technique. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, you're taking one snare to one gig, and no one has told you what the style of the gig is. What are you taking? uh probably the the tama starphonic 13 by 7 um it's it's i know everyone says this about their drums like oh they're so versatile and stuff like that but it really is i i love it i've played i've played it low i've played it high i've played it stupidly high which is in most of my instagram videos and 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 i love it man i've used it on a lot of session gigs and it's the the band or artists have they've always been happy so that's my sort of go to what about you um for me if it uh, let's take mine out of it. I would always take the 14 by five ANF brass snare. Nice. Just because I know that I know that it, it will never let anybody down. That is one snare drum that there's no way a producer could say, I don't like it. They could say that's not the right snare for this situation, but I mean, it just, every time you hit it, you're like, how is that sounding like that in this room? Like there's, I, I really like the way that, the Dynasonic and my snare have dampeners built in. I think that the ANF raw brass has reverb and compression built in somewhere. It's just in there. And like, and then whatever you think as far as how it plays, then you track it and it sounds even better. So yeah. uh, that is definitely the benchmark of snares for me. I, I love that snare drum. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about drive. So the reason I wanted to have you on Lou is because I don't under I don't fully understand the history, obviously, of the beginnings of the internet. I I wasn't there for it, but you were working in that world when there was no fully realized internet and browsers and all of that. So the first question I have for you is what was the drive for that? Was there what Eddie and I have now, which is a promise that if we go into tech, there is a massive financial payoff if we hit it big. Did that exist at that time or was it just the drive to be nerdy and be the kid that's taking apart computers? Yeah, so it definitely wasn't money at the time. I would say it was just boredom. 
It was really, really okay. simple. I had a, uh, I was, I was working uh, my way through college, and I had a job at the university, of, uh, at the university computer center. So uh, my job at the time was to help students and professors with computer problems. So if you can imagine what that is, is just people coming in and saying, "I don't know how this works. Can you teach me how this goes?" And that's a very interesting job for about three, three to six months, where you're figuring out all the things that could go wrong, and you're figuring out the solutions. And then somewhere around six months to a year, you realize that all the questions are the same and that you're just basically doing the same thing over and over again. And all the people you were helping and feeling great about, now you just kind of resent. And it's like, oh, why do they keep asking you the same question? And I, that's not a great <laughs> attitude, but that's how I felt. Uh, and I saw creating a, some sort of piece of software as a, 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 something more interesting to do and a way of doing something that, that would... Uh, you know, create something and and give me just more fun at work. And I didn't know what I wanted to build. Uh, I just knew that God, it would be nice to build something. And at the time, open source was uh, open source software was a kind of a new concept. People were starting to create programs and just release them for free on the internet. And okay. in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, if I can just create a program that uh, that people use, then I could probably get a job out out of uh, college as well. So the only problem was I didn't know anything about programming or, you know, I knew about computers, you know, how to operate them, but I really had no, no real idea how to program. I had taken a, a very beginner's programming course in high school in a totally different language. And uh, okay. so I just didn't let that stop me. I just went out there and said, uh, I, I saw that there was two things that I saw that were interesting at the time. One of them was um, the ability to access things over the network. And there was these programs that could do this, and they were all very primitive. One of them was called Gopher. And okay. I don't want to go into it, but it was, it was really basic. You got a, a menu on your screen, and you would see like 1 through 10, and it would say, you know, it would list out uh, some text next to 1 through 10, and you chose, oh, I want to go to number 3. And it, then it would take you to number 3, and in that would be either another, uh, another menu, or you would finally get to a document. And so that's, that's called a hierarchical navigation mechanism. So you can only go down and then back up. Right? Um, and then I saw this program, somebody demoed this program, another open source program called HyperRes, which was uh, a hypertext uh, program. And it, it only worked on a local machine. So if you had some content and someone had created this hypertext content, you could navigate through the content uh, in any way that really made sense. So you'd have a document and within it were links. And we all know what this is today. But at the time, this was kind of new, uh, new and crazy stuff. Um, and so my first project was to just take this program HyperRes and Gopher and just mash them together like a mashup. So it's like uh, if I was a DJ, I took two songs and I just <laughs> mashed them together. And I just figured out how to make them fit. I need you know tempo match them and and figure out how to put them together in a in a in a DAW. That's essentially what I did in a programming language I didn't understand, but I could kind of make sense of. And I just stayed up all night and I did this. And the next day I, I showed it to some people at the office and I said, well, what about this? And that's, that's how links began. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So that, that drive to do that, did you even recognize it as a drive or was it something that just for the first time, maybe in your life, you couldn't go to sleep without thinking about this thing and, and what you were going to do the second you had more waking hours and you couldn't wait to be done with a responsibility so you could get back to work on this thing. Yeah, those are, that's a really interesting question because I see them as somewhat different. I think that, okay. that 
the when we start things, or at least when I start something, uh, it's usually out of just curiosity and boredom. So boredom is the thing driving me into action, and curiosity is the thing that drive uh, that directs me towards something that looks interesting. And the I think what you're describing uh, in your question is a little bit more passion. So you get engrossed in a subject, whether that be a sport or an instrument or uh, a building something. You could see this in everything. You could be passionate about building uh, you know, a set of dresser drawers. Uh, whatever you're really into and you're very focused on and you just really want to either get better at or complete, that's, that's I think, to me, becomes a passion. There might be better words to describe it, but it's, it's, that's when you can't stop thinking about it and you, you want yeah. to spend as much time as you, as you have available to, to work on it. Yeah, I can I can definitely see these things leading into one another. The the boredom and the curiosity creating a drive, the drive turning into a passion and the passion for some of us that don't have control over it and I would definitely cons- include the three of us into that that passion eventually becomes an obsession yeah. and it can be, you know, something we need to talk about before this roundtable is done is can this drive mechanism that we have can it actually become negative? whether it be with our family or with, with our friends, because I've lost a lot of friendships over my drive. And they they just couldn't understand that I can't turn this stuff off. And I'm sorry like that it took me six weeks to get back to you. That's insane. I mean, I literally just texted Rami from A&F and I said, hey, I noticed you texted me five weeks ago <laughs> and asked if I could have a Zoom call. So sorry, bro. Um, but he, he has that same drive and he understands like, dude, I get it. I know that you just get obsessed and you put blinders on. So, so Eddie, can you think of anything in your past, whether it be the band or whether it be the website or maybe your own drumming, like what was the last thing that started off as just a curiosity or some boredom and then became this thing that you could look back a year, two years, 10 years later and be like, holy crap, that was no big deal when I started. And now it's almost become one of the biggest things in my life. Just drumming, mate. Drumming is okay. just the perfect example, man. Like it just started because... Uh, yeah, a friend had a drum kit and I went around to his house and just played. And it was something that I just took to like getting my attention is just the hardest thing in the world. Like school was awful. I didn't like it. I, I couldn't sit still for more than five seconds. Yet drums just got me like that. And then I look back and it's like, wow, like I'm now 30 years old and my, this, this, my life is just flown by and I've never actually really sat down and said to myself, right, I want to get better at this. I need to do this. I need to do that. I've just done it and I've just become obsessed. And yeah, like you said, man, it's, it's definitely an obsession. Um, and it's something that I actually find quite difficult to explain. You know, when someone says like ex-girlfriends, for example, um, Rona won't be listening to this. It'll be fine. Ex-girlfriends. <laughs> it's always the same thing. It's like, well, what do you mean you want to go practice and play drums instead of going out with me on a Friday night? And it's like, oh, okay, you you don't get it. And it's all right that you don't get it, but maybe I should find someone who does get it. Anyway, that aside, it's 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 the... I always found it so alien that I would have to explain my passion and, and drive and want to do something when someone doesn't have that in their life. It's funny, isn't it? It's like when you think about it, it's like, why do you like it? It's just, I don't know, a million reasons, but it's just this thing that... I navigate to and I'm just obsessed with and I will always do it and yeah it's just um it's very hard for me to relate to people who don't have that you know what I mean it's why I love sitting down with strangers and just being like well what's your thing even if I'm not into it 
it's like I love just hearing people talk about their thing and what what drives them and why they're addicted to it. But um, I guess that's the same for you, right? You just took to drum straight away. Yeah, and the drive for it is such a mixed bag of why didn't I quit? So I actually, one thing that a lot of people don't know is I didn't choose drums at all. I had no choice in it. So I chose clarinet, which is a very cool instrument. That's what all the chicks want. Okay, like, I've, I've always been told, don't date the clarinetist because he's trouble. Um, so I chose clarinet and uh, I was in like third or fourth grade. And while we were practicing our scales and our whole notes, I would just pass out from all the like blowing um i just couldn't go foo for like a, a full bar without passing out and so my band director just was like dude you're gonna impale yourself on that clarinet and go face first into the ground and the reed's gonna come out the back of your freaking throat so uh he just moved me to drums that was it and so i had no choice i came home and told my mom and i had my little rented clarinet case and i was like i they gave me a bass drum beater. Like she's, and I was so bummed because I wanted to play the clarinet. I thought it was the coolest instrument. And so, so then the drive, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but all of a sudden there was competition. There was a girl that got to play the drums. She had, she played ride cymbal and snare drum and I played bass drum and we made up a drum set part for Louie Louie and all those old kind of classic tunes. And the drive was, well, I want her job. And so there was this co competitive drive that was happening. Then all of a sudden, my dad, who was, you know, a hell's angel and a biker and, a, and a, I mean, a great, great father, but he was a tough guy. All of a sudden, the, I was doing something cool in his eyes. So to make my dad proud, I mean, he wasn't stoked that his son was going to play clarinet. But when I came home with some drumsticks, he was like, now that's cool. And so now it's like, okay, now the drive is to make my father proud and to become first chair. And then, but I never thought of it as like a, it could be a career. I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I never thought of it as a career. And so the drive was all these external forces of like really bad self-esteem. Like I wanted to be first chair. I wanted to make my father proud. All these driving factors, definitely uh, just like with what Lou said, it wasn't financial because as a kid, you don't even realize that this could become a career someday. Mm. And then I think I was very lucky to be in school music because that that competition lasted all the way through senior year in high school. Like I still wanted to be first chair, then get into a band so my dad could attend the shows and my mom would be proud of me because my mom's the one driving me to drum lessons. But I will say this, the biggest drive I've had when I think career has always been that the path I choose for some reason, I always choose this path that everybody says, like, that is a really bad idea. And mm. that's the drive. I love that. Can we collect 17 more people that will doubt me so I can prove everyone wrong? And that, I mean, the drive to create a successful online business when everyone told me you are an absolute idiot to sell your brick and mortar drum school that is franchisable and is currently the most successful in Sacramento, you're going to sell that and start drum lessons on the Internet. That is the dumbest move ever. And it was like, that's all I need. Thank you. Yeah. I will see you guys in a decade. That was my teachers at school, mate. It was, you know, it was just like, no yeah, one never ever be explained. Anything. Yeah. It was like, no one actually said to me like, oh, you can actually do what you want and you can be whatever you want to be. Like, I know that sounds corny, but it's like, when I think back, no one actually ever explained that. And none of my friends at the time, I didn't really have this... I'm not, you know, I don't mean to get people teary. I didn't really have many. I could count them on one hand sort of thing. And no one else was like this musician who wanted to like just do what he 
do what his hobby was for a living. I, I had no one to really talk to about it. And I was just sort of the guy that just used to just quietly sit there and say, you know, to myself, yeah, yeah, you'll see when the music teacher's saying, yeah, listen, it's not really a thing, okay? The, the, you play the violin and you do your grades and you go to uni and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, all right then, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, so that that was like my school. But um, that's funny how how it takes some sort of negativity to drive certain people into what they're going to accomplish. Uh, so, Lou, I have a question for you now. Moving on, when I'm looking at your list of accomplishments, uh, I can tell you that probably right around 2004 is when Eddie and I would have retired and just <laughs> moved to an island and been done. And uh, so, but you're still. Um, co-founder and CTO of Jet Insight. And so what's driving you now? Yeah, so I, I did actually try to retire for a little while. Uh, okay. In, uh, so there was, a, there was a big tech crash in uh, 2000, 2001. Uh, and I was working on my second company then. Um, so I left that company and I moved up to Tahoe and I decided to become a full-time skier and just try to substitute one addiction for another, really. Because <laughs> I still had I still had the drive to or the boredom, whichever whichever side you look at it, to just keep you know, keep myself busy. And I so I just started skiing every day. Uh and then I was into that for a couple of years. Uh and I got pulled back into the tech world through a, a group of a group of people that I used to work with and they wanted to start this really cool music startup. And it was just such an interesting idea that I that I wanted to help them with it. I had no intention, I don't think, at that time to get back involved full time. But we we started uh, we started working on this project, and I, I realized how much fun I was having on it. Uh, it. It just reminded me all the good things that work had been because there's you know there's a lot of positives and negatives about any work environment. Uh, you know, uh, Netscape had been a tremendously fun experience especially at the beginning as we were literally changing the world like every month there was something that was happening that was affecting millions of people's lives and that's you know that's a serious rush right and then when the whole thing came crashing down it left me with feeling very deflated and and uh and feeling kind of sad for myself even though you know shouldn't be crying for me uh but i you know i felt <laughs> i felt bad about the world um and the experience of just working on something new, on something that I found exciting, just re, uh, reawakened a lot of uh, just really positive feelings in me. And I realized that work was something that I was missing, that, uh, that skiing was super fun, but I, I, it just lacked something that completed me. And so I, I realized that I would like to go back to work, under, at least under my own terms, right? It's, um, it is a lot easier when... when one is really good at something and also has, you know, I have some financial independence. So if, if everybody's pissing me off, I can just leave. <laughs> Although, <laughs> which is, <laughs> that is the most gangster thing ever. Yeah. They call it F you money, right? They just say, well, yeah. if, you, if I don't like it, F you, I'm out of here. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't in general behave that way, but uh, you know, it's always an option. Um, but uh, I I really missed it, and and I went back and I started working again, and realized that there's there the creating things, uh, building companies, creating great products, and working with really smart people on difficult problems was uh, just an amazing experience. It's something that is difficult to replicate, and when um, 
when you're actually pretty good at something, it turns out, you know, I didn't know I was good at, at, at the beginning, uh, but I was actually a pretty good engineer. And as I worked with more and more people, uh, that became apparent. And so I got to work with other really good engineers and that, that the ability to create something that is you know, really interesting and novel and bigger than ourselves, because when we work on something with a lot of people, we can create something that is, you know, really amazing. That's that's a that's a great feeling. It's a I keep coming back for more of that, um, but I just keep doing it in different ways. Because again, that that boredom thing, I I I do have a little bit of ADD. You know, I like to work on a lot of different things. I hate working on the same thing over and over again. Uh, so to me, it's it's I always want a different challenge every day and a new problem, and, and I want to learn something new. Well, I remember experiencing that firsthand with you when you had. Um, now, did you? How do I say it as far as your departure from Zeta.net? Did you sell the company? Did you leave the company? Uh, a little bit of both. We, uh, okay. I left the company to start another company, and then the company was sold shortly thereafter. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I remember between that and Jet Insight, you were attending a camp, and you just straight up said, is there anything that doesn't exist in the drum world software-wise that you wish did? And I was like, I don't even know how to answer that. And I don't even know where we were yet as friends, whether I really understood who you were and what you'd done in the past. And I just remember thinking like, well, unfortunately, most music notation software isn't extremely bloated because it's meant for musicians. It's meant for giant scores for violins and full symphonies. And drummers just really only need about 10% of that software. And that's when we started working on the Groove Scribe and just being able to witness you work and it, it was just truly incredible. And that level of drive was my window into, okay, he's doing this for free. There's no money involved. It's just a passion project. But your obsession with making it better and better and better and finding all the bugs. And to me, I mean, I, we would have released that thing a year before we released it if it was up to me. Because I'm like, ah, it works. It's like 60% working. Let's go. And And you just were so... Like it has to be, it has to be right, you know? And, and then I remember you and I came to the question of the finance of it. Like, all right, do we charge for this software? This was a lot of work, a lot of passion, a lot of effort went into this and we ended up making it open source. And I think that that was obviously by your lead, but in the end you convinced me like this was something the world needs. And I just remember thinking, okay, now I know what lose drive and high is his high is giving things to the world that they didn't have before he stepped in. And even though you may not see it that way at all, it was a pretty cool thing to think, well, there was a moment that the groove scribe didn't exist and creating drum notation out of tab was impossible. And now it's possible because this guy decided it should be. And and it was like, okay, that's what I want. I mean, you switched my entire view of life from, acquiring things and you know growth and percentage of growth and and money and income into legacy what is the legacy that i will leave behind what is the mark that i will leave behind and so it was pretty cool to experience that firsthand all right moving on eddie give me your thoughts on this were you born with the drive that you have and i've experienced your drive firsthand as well i mean that's actually how we became friends but were you born with it and if not can you create it? Can you acquire it? Can you develop your own drive? And the way that we practice the drum set, can you practice being more driven? 
I, I, I don't know, mate. I don't know if I was born with it or not. I don't even know. You know, it's one of those things um, we spoke about on the last podcast, finding your voice. You don't even know you found your voice until someone says something. And it's the same with me. Like, I don't really think I'm any different than a lot of people. But then it might take my fiance to say, you just don't stop. Or like a friend saying, flipping hell, mate. Like, let's just slow it down a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I am just a little bit like cuckoo in the head or whatever. Um, so I don't know, man. I really, really don't know if I, if um, you can acqu- acquire it or if I was just born with it. But I do think there's certain things in life that can definitely make you a more driven person for 100%. I mean, even now just having a, a son, it's like, mate, I'm just, you know, I'm not even working for myself anymore. I'm working for him. And uh, yeah, so I definitely think there are certain things in life that can kick you up the arse for sure. But I just, I, yeah, I don't, I think you're born with it, mate. I think you're born with it. I think you're just born with this sense of just, I want to do things. I want to create things. I want to just make these things better that I'm creating. And I want more people to see them. And I, I once I'm done with that, then I'll create more. I, I often think... For me, if I ever got to the point where I was sort of like financially free, it's not to buy a Lambo or whatever it may be. I think a few years ago, that was probably what I would have bought. It's 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 the freedom to just create more and to start things. And if it fails, who gives a fuck? Create again. It doesn't matter. And I think that's, I think that's, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess what we're all talking about isn't work. Do you know what I mean? I often think saying work when it comes to this stuff is odd because it's not, we're not working. We just love to do it. It's something that we've always done before we were even getting paid for it. And it's like what you're saying, man, like Lou, it's like you did it before you even getting paid for it. So it's not exactly work. It's just something you want to do. Um, but yeah, I sort of drifted off there, Mike. What are you going to say, mate? <laughs> no, no, that was, that was beautiful. I, I, you know, I actually have a story about you that you don't even know. Oh God. Um, Okay, so like two years ago, two, two and a half years ago, I was doing a thing in the UK and you and I were just becoming friends like, you know, through text and a few phone calls, but I didn't know a lot about you. And obviously creating a close friendship with somebody that has an educational website for drummers, since we don't mention our website's names on this podcast, that's not really like my zone. <laughs> I can tell you right now that a lot of people that have their name, then the word lessons, then dot com, we don't get along that great. So <laughs> I, I don't go out of my way to like make those friendships. So anyways, all of a sudden we're kind of becoming more f- friendly. And I was in the UK and I asked somebody and I said, hey, do you know Eddie Thrower? He said, yeah. I said, give me your impression on Eddie. What do you know about Eddie? And I think he meant this as a slight. It's probably why I never brought it up to you. But I took it as a massive compliment that actually triggered me into creating a deeper friendship with you. He said, he's a bit of a hustler, isn't he? And I was like, he's a bit of a hustler. <laughs> Damn right I am, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, I think you mean that's a negative. I see that as a massive positive. Like, yeah, he's scrappy. He'll do whatever it takes to make things work. When it's not working, he'll find something else. When that's not working, he'll find something else. And I remember just immediately, it was such a weird thing because I think in that conversation's place, it was like, oh, okay. And that person probably thought like, okay, well, now now Mike's not thinking about that. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. that's what I was hoping for. You know, I love people that are scrappy and that are willing to fight and do whatever it takes. I think it's really 
That drive to do that is important. The reasons behind it are the things that are always questionable. Are you scrapping to tell everybody else what you've done? Are you scrapping for financial reward? Then maybe we wouldn't be as close of friends. But Mm. if you're scrapping because you have to push things forward, I think a general theme between the three of us is probably, whether we know it or not, an obsession with forward momentum. I think that that's Lou. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is that something that maybe made the drums attractive to you? Is there was a moment every single day you could sit down and be better than you were the day before if you put in the effort? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think multiple things attract me to the drums. One of them is that in my uh, in my regular life, I I work. I'm a knowledge worker, so if if I can learn something, I can do it pretty much instantaneously. Right? I can, I, I can take in facts and then. Through, through that knowledge, I can then implement something. And it's a very quick and direct uh, feedback mechanism. Well, the drums, unfortunately, are definitely not that for me. Every time I, I can very quickly learn it, especially when you have a great teacher like Mike. <laughs> uh, Thank and you, then, uh, I, get, I understand it completely. And then I sit down at the kit and I, I spend so many frustrating hours just trying to get my body to actually do any of it that... Uh, it, it was such a, uh, a different experience from what my life normally is that I think I became like addicted to that like difficulty even. Is it, that wasn't what it initially attracted me to drums, but it's what I think kept me into it. It's like, this thing is really difficult, um, like impossibly difficult at times. And I like, I like the feeling of being frustrated and then breaking through it and, and finally being able to do something. That was, that, I turned that negative into a positive somehow in my head and then it just kept coming back. Yeah, that moment that Eddie and I have talked about on the podcast before, that moment of sticking your landing for the first time or landing your skateboard trick for the first time and both feet are on the board and you skate away freely, that's an addictive thing that will never end. And I think that's the ad- addictive property of art is the fact that there's no finish line. There's no peak either. I mean, that's such a beautiful thing. Just like you said with skiing, you can ski for the rest of your life, but to ski at the level that you were skiing in your 20s, to think that that's possible in your 70s, that's just not the case. With drumming, I actually know drummers that are in their 60s and 70s, and I prefer their playing now more than any time in their career. They, they've they never peaked, and I think that that is a very addictive thing that keeps us driven to keep going. All right, now for the tough question. Now we have to go, go a little inside the psyche. I'll start with you, Lou. Does do you control your drive or does your drive control you? Great question. <laughs> I I think <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. So I there's there's a part of it, and I think it's again, I think of a little bit more is there's things motivating to me me to be driven rather than the drive motivating me to do things. So the thing that is motivating me to keep doing things is uh, my inability to keep still and by how quickly I get bored with things. So I, unless I'm constantly trying to, to work on new things, I just don't feel good about myself. And so that's the thing that's driving me, and I, I don't know how to shut it off. I, I, if I have a Sunday and I don't have anything going on and I'm really not feeling motivated, I, at the end of the day, I feel just not good about myself. I feel unaccomplished. I feel like I wasted the whole day. All these negative feelings. So I... I'd rather just respond to my impulses to do things and, and then know at the end of the day, I'm going to feel good. So it's a, there's, a, there's a good uh, feedback loop there. If you recognize the need and you act on it, 
and you feel good at the end of the day, then you'll continue to do that. On the other side of that, I've tried to develop behaviors and habits to avoid the worst sides of these impulses. Um, so I know that I have these impulses. And if I'm working on something that is important, but is maybe dragging on and it's I'm in the boring phase of it, because even on the best, you know, you're learning a great new uh, uh, drum lick and you know, the first you, you're, you're, it, you're making progress and then eventually you kind of get to that plateau. Where you just kind of fight through those things. And if you let those distraction, let other distractions stop you, you never get to the finish line. So that's a, that's something that we learn over time to 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 deal with, so that we can continue the focus. Uh, and the other side is to recognize human behavioral traits like the need to collect things, uh, which is inherent in in kind of the human species, and recognize that those are negative traits. Like we don't need. More than thirteen snare drums. Okay, that's that felt like a shot. <laughs> Shots fired. Well, I have exactly thirteen snare drums, Mike. So I, I'm okay. I'm putting the limit right there. It, it might go to fourteen or fifteen, but I'm just going to say okay. I'm going to put a hard line in the sand. Uh, but okay. you know, we we all have this in our in, in ourselves. I think is we get to a certain point in life, and we have the means, and we start collecting things for no particular reason, like little tiny figurines or beer caps or things. And I was like, well, why do we do this? And it's like this is a negative thing. My house is filled with crap. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop wasting money. I'm going to stop wasting time. And I'm going to get down to the important things. And, and recognizing those things about ourselves, whether it be you know, like many other things, allows us to, to uh, continue working in a positive direction. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn. Okay. Uh, anyways, if you guys want to check out my eBay account, it's Mike at Mike's Lessons. <laughs> eBay. Uh, there will be apparently there will be about forty two snares on sale. Yeah, if you if you guys want any sneakers, just hit me up. I've got like thousands to sell now. I just need the one. <laughs> I just need one pair to walk in. Yeah. What, what more do I need than that? Okay, so Eddie, let me ask you something kind of attached to that question. When your drive is controlling you. Are there negative side effects of drive? Is there a point that it becomes, it crosses over into obsession and it starts affecting your friendships and your relationships at home? Yeah, I think um, the one thing that I struggle with a lot is just like over obsessing, just getting to the point where right. you're you're getting obsessed with something and then you overthink it and then you don't do it and then you do do it and you think, is that good enough? Is that not? Um, that's sort of what I struggle with. I think you can care about something and you can want to do something so much that you just it gets a little bit confusing and, and sometimes I just have to turn down the noise and just really think, you know, okay, let, let's, let, let's just take this and not be so hectic with it. Cause that I'm, I'm quite a hectic person. I mean, I sent you what seven voice notes in a row yesterday, just, and it was on one <laughs> subject. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. what I struggle with. It's sometimes I'm like looking at a table and I've just got all these pieces of the puzzle and I'm like just constantly trying to fit them together. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd way of, I don't know, man. I, I find this stuff kind of hard to talk about because it's like I don't understand why I do things. Really, I really don't. I don't know about you. It's just yeah. like I just do things. I just, I just always want to be doing the things that I want to do, and I always want to make them just cooler, better, bigger. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that guy could call me a hustler. <laughs> I'm not too, I'm not too sure. I I often find that within music, if you get a musician who wants to do more, they're labeled as a hustler, and it's like. What if you know I can play drums and I I can want to I want to teach and I want to do this and I want to do that 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 just means that I just want to do more than just play the drums you know bro I'm with you I mean I I remember feeling when I started learning about you know I don't know sort of reading biographies and getting into that stuff 
And generally, a lot of the negative things that were out there, as far as being said about somebody's personality traits, I was like, what is wrong with me? I find those to be the positive things. When somebody would say, oh, he's obsessive or she's uh, what was in the podcast you sent me? There was like a word um, that that boxing promoter is uh, not just driven. But um, anyways, there those traits of being driven and being relentless. That's what I was looking for. Like, oh, yeah, he's relentless. And it's like, uh, okay, well, something's wrong with me because I think those are good traits. Now, I think it's how you manifest those traits into how you're treating other human beings that's very important. And I try to always put a positive light on things, be as positive as I can. But the two of you know a little bit more about what I'm like behind the scenes where I'm just sitting in a room by myself eight hours a day obsessing and trying to improve things and trying to create forward momentum. And it's not always healthy. And what I was asking you about with the personal things, I mean, like I said, I've lost a lot of friends over this because I couldn't keep up a constant friendship. I just don't have the hours to do it. And honestly, if I look at, say, a document on my computer that is me working out the next stages for my website – or a text from a friend, I'm sorry, the text from the friend isn't getting answered. And I know that that's not a healthy thing, but it just is the way it is sometimes with me. And then I have also a wife at home and she has to understand like, babe, I know, I understand that I should have been home for dinner tonight. And I understand that I should have at least called to say I wasn't coming home. I don't know how to quite, I haven't solved the Mike Johnston puzzle yet. My my personality gets, the drive overtakes everything and I don't know what's happening. And so I'm still working on it as well. So I do think that drive can cross over into a negative area where you're so driven and you think like, well, I'm doing this so we can have a better life. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, you're not. You're doing this because you can't stop doing this. And you need to recognize that in the moment, you know? Yeah. I mean, does any of that connect with you guys at all? Oh, mate, 100%. That was my, like, being real and, like, going pretty deep. I That was one of my biggest fears about becoming a parent. I was like... I know I'm selfish with my time and my thinking. Um, I, you know, I'm, I, I give time to like Rona and, you know, my close friends a lot, but there is definitely that sense of, can I sit here and be in this moment with the brain that I've got? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When I'm like playing with Travis or just being with someone or going for lunch with someone, it's like, that's, that's, I, I do find that hard just to not think about, I want to do this. And then when I do that, that can then, you know, it's, it's difficult. So yeah, I definitely struggle with that, man, but I'm surprised. I don't know about you, Lou, I I may be jumping the gun, but I'm surprised we've got partners to be honest with you. Do you know what I mean? It's it's all about finding the (laughs) the right people that can just go, I I love who you are and I am that piece of the puzzle that's going to fit in and, and you, you work well with you. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, we're freaks basically we are, but I love it. I love it, man. It's wicked. So yeah, um, I don't know about you, Lou. You, you probably think the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have similar experiences. Uh, my my wife Ashley calls me "Go See Do Lou" because uh, I'm always <laughs> doing something or seeing something. I never really sit still. Uh, yeah, she's she's great because she's a very independent uh, uh, person and has her own hobbies. So uh, we come together and we have a great time. And then, but we also have our own separate lives. So she's not looking to me to be codependent. Uh, we're looking to have a relationship and not a, uh, you, you complete me kind of thing. And I, it definitely wouldn't work if, if we had to have that relationship because, uh, 
maybe it would. Maybe I'd be obsessed with the relationship, but it it certainly doesn't yeah. in, in the in 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 this life right now for me. Uh, and that would be I think that would be difficult for anyone who has a a career or a passion that they want to throw as much time as they can into. Um, one thing I want to like just throw out here because it's really amazing. So I do all these different crazy things and I've done, you know, five different companies, right? But they're all different. The thing that I find amazing and, and a little bit um, I'm in awe at, at is how you, both of you can have as much passion as you do 30 years into the journey of drums, maybe just 25 years for you, Ed, you're a little younger, but uh, you know, Mike has unlimited passion for an instrument that he's played for 30 years, I think. Uh, and uh, that's amazing. Yeah. 30, no, 40 now, 40, 40 years. Yeah. That's that to have to, to never run out of that, that well of emotions for something that you've been doing over and over again is, is remarkable to me, uh, where I see myself kind of, I, I'm a technologist. That's kind of a, a theme, but I keep flitting from one thing to another. So it's a very different form of drive for me than it is i think maybe for you guys but maybe it all equates the same i don't know i think it does you know i think that the drive is in forward momentum and improvement and the drums are one of the few things and i guess art maybe could be said too but for me the drums are the only thing in my life that you can never run out of improvement i mean there's i look at the distance between me and Dave Weckl now, and it's the same as it was when I was 15 discovering him when he was 30, because he's been practicing at the same amount of time that I have been. So I can't close that gap. And so there are these Weckls and these Vinnie Caliutas in my life that I just can't close that gap no matter how hard, how hard I try. And I love that. Um, but I also have to think that I don't know if I'm as driven to become a great drummer as I am driven to break down great drumming. Like that is the drive for me. I I have to learn it on the instrument so then I can explain it to somebody else. But the real reason I get better at the drums every day is because I was trying to reverse engineer something else so I could explain it to somebody else. So that is definitely much more of an obsession for me than the drum set and being a drummer. And I, you know, I eventually stopped saying I'm not a drummer. I'm a teacher because I am a drummer and I'm very proud of my drumming now, but I still recognize that the, the thing that moves me from this desk right here out to that drum set is the idea of opening a door for somebody else that has been locked for a very long time in front of them. And every time I sit down on the kit, as I'm zoning out and doing the drumming that we all do, putting on our headphones and enjoying our favorite bands, there's always a moment that I'm playing and I've, I just figured out a new way to explain something to someone else. And that is a drive that I, I never want to lose. So, uh, Lou, you have been extremely generous with your time. It's been a treat for me because <laughs> this is not what our bro talks <laughs> sound like at all. And there, it's kind of a weird thing. You don't get to ask your buddies uh, things like this and, and turn it into a bit of an interview. But before you leave us, I just want to ask you, you are one of the most influential people in my life. Do you have any tips for people out there that feel a little bit lost with focus and drive, especially due to the current situation that the world has been in for the, you know, for 2020? Yeah, I was, I was actually hoping you were going to bring that up because I think that that's one of the more interesting aspects of this conversation is if, if we're not if we don't feel driven, how do we get to that point? Because uh, 
it certainly seems that there's a lot of human potential that could be unlocked if, if people would just let themselves start expressing and, and get to work on things. I, to me, I think, I, this is probably an endless uh, psychological research problem, but I think the biggest barrier for people, because I, I see it as a chain. So you have, you, you might be bored, you might be curious, you might have a good idea. Uh, but then you have to take the, the first action, the first step to get on that chain reaction to get you to that passion or to start building something. And so if you think about it as a series of steps, you could think psychologically, well, where am I, where am I not getting all the way to the chain? I think the biggest break in the chain is that people overthink the first step. They, uh, they don't just start something because they think it's going to be too hard. They think way down the line, it's like, oh, how could I ever do that? There's going to be all these other things that will stop me. I don't even know how to do this. Um, I think one of the, one of the themes that uh, we've talked about here is we just started doing what we ended up being passionate about. We didn't, we didn't think about it. We didn't over, you didn't sit down at the drum set and think, oh, wow, how am I going to become a great drummer? You just started playing and you enjoyed it. And then you took the next step. And you, didn't, you didn't worry about any of that stuff. And when I, when I took my first step into the software engineering world, I had no idea what I was doing. And if I had, had thought about it, it's like, oh, I need to learn the language. That'll take me a year. And then I'll learn this. That'll take me a year. Well, the opportunity would have passed me by. The only reason I am sitting here today is because I just took that first step. And I would just encourage everybody to not overthink the first step that most of the time, if you can figure out just a quick way to get started in whatever it is you're interested in, just take that first step, then the next step and stop thinking about the consequences or stop thinking that you need to know something else to get it done. You've described to me, Mike, how you got the website started. You knew nothing about web technologies or anything, but you just said, <laughs> right. I'm going to do it. And it's very similar. And you didn't let the lack of knowledge stop you. You just figure, oh, I'll figure it out along the way. That's exactly how people yeah. should think about it. Just, just do it. I think somebody already has that Love slogan. It. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, it might be a company that we call one thing and Eddie calls it something different. I don't understand why you call it Nike, Eddie. It's, um, it's Nike. I mean, look, this is, like, this is a whole nother podcast in itself, mate. Like, <laughs> It's, it's 100% Nike. Um, but I love that though, man. I love that. I, I'm definitely a firm believer in just, just doing things. We, we spoke about it on another podcast as well, the doist, the term the doist. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's so true, man. Like when, when friends say to me, Oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. It's like, go on then, man. Like just do it. Just stop thinking about it and just do it. And it's just, you never know where, you know, where, where you're going to end up or the chances you'll, you'll, you'll get or the people you'll meet. I mean, even this podcast, I know I said this in another podcast as well. Sorry, it sounds like a broken record. But it's like I reached out to Mike and I didn't think anything of it. I just did it. And, and now we've got a podcast together and blah, blah, blah. And we're having this conversation with Lou. And it's just it's just wicked, man. I think if I was to overthink that DM, oh, is Mike going to think I'm after something? Is Mike going to think I'm trying to get something? Is Mike going to think this? Let's not send it. God knows where our relationship would be or if we would have one at all. I know that's a small it example. Be, but yeah. yeah, exactly. And I just think, yeah, life is too short, man. I think like every second, it's, 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 it's kind of deep and it's kind of harsh, but I just think every second, mate, we're getting older. Do you know what I mean? We're, get, we're getting older. Time's going. Just, just fucking go do shit. I love it. I love it. All right, Lou, thank you for joining us, my friend. I know you have more meetings to get to, but uh, I hope you had a little bit of fun and 
Uh, thank you for letting me actually say some of your accomplishments out loud. I'm never allowed to. In our I've just friendly. realized you've still got the tash on your face. Yes. <laughs> By the way, for those of you that aren't watching, he's had a uh, animated mustache on his face the entire time. But, uh, so uh, very good stuff. And Lou, I thank you a ton and uh, hope you had a good time. Thank buddy. you so much, Mike. Uh, I would be delighted to come back anytime you would have me. I had so much fun and hopefully I didn't embarrass myself or you in any way. <laughs> not very good at this. <laughs> you did not. You did great. Well, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bro. I wish yeah. that, I kind of wish this was our last episode ever because that was just life changing. Like I, I'm on a deep level. I just really want to change the world right now. Yeah, I know, man. It's just it's what an inspirational guy, and just it's he's just got the like the power of just conversation, mate. I don't know if that's that's the right word to use. It's just one, oh, one of those guy. What I forgot to ask the, the guy that made gifts if it's gifts. Oh or GIFs. no, mate, text him now. Damn it. Send him a voice note. Okay. Send him a voice okay, note. Okay, I will. I will. <laughs> but yeah, he's. Um, I can listen to him talk all day long. It was amazing. Thank you so much for bringing him on, mate. And thank you to Lou if you're listening to this. What a, what a, what a guy. What a legend, mate. I ho- hopefully this has done what we have set out to hopefully do. And, and that's inspire and motivate people and just, you know, get people doing the yeah, things they want to do. Yeah, I think he gave us a lot of insight on on what it's like to be driven especially when finances are not a part of it and i remember that was kind of one of those things that when it's such a weird thing to create a friendship with somebody you know has somewhat of a famous past uh and when i started looking up his accomplishments you know i mean god creating web browsers and http and all this stuff and i just remember thinking wait a minute like when i think of silicon valley people I think of modern Silicon Valley people that have to get funding so they can get the craziest car ever and put it on Instagram. But I'm like, this guy was changing the world when there was no promise of financial reward. It was just to do it. Just like he mentioned, just like the way that you and I started playing drums. I mean, when we got on our first kit, it was not, okay, if I have a record deal within seven years, this will be worth it. Let me learn a beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, I don't know, this is cool. I'll give it a go. And and who knew where it was going to lead? So um, now just to finish up this conversation a little bit, I think it's really important when it comes to drive that you recognize what drives you so that you can harness it. It's really important to even recognize that you have a drive. And if you don't have a drive, I think it's not that you're born without drive. I think it's that you haven't found the thing that drives you yet and you haven't really locked into it. Cause I remember being a teenager and somebody saying like, you know, like, Oh, what are you going to do? Like work at Starbucks? Like it was a negative. And I just thought, Oh my God, that sounds like the most amazing opportunity ever. So you're telling me I'm minimum wage as a barista at this place that serves tea and coffee. I'm going to give myself a year to become manager. After I'm manager, I'm going to eventually try to open my own franchise And then within hopefully 10 years, I have 15 Starbucks locations. Like I've had that drive to just, I don't care where you start me. I'm just going to move forward. That's it. Like start me behind everyone else and I'm just going to move forward. But I think that while I'm moving forward, other people will quit. And I remember telling you that in the very beginning of all of this, when we started talking about online drum lesson websites, I remember telling you like, you have to be great. I can't get you out of that. You have to do that, which you have done. But get an A for effort as far as just outlast people. You don't have to be better than somebody because you can't be better than somebody. They are them. You are you. But 
I guarantee if you have the right drive, more people will give up on this over time and you'll be the last one left standing. And that has been kind of my drive forever. You know, I, I even think honestly, my band, I think a big deal, big part of why we got our record deal was because we just wouldn't give up. You know, we just kept going and going and going. And eventually the Deftones got signed and they left Sacramento. And then Papa Roach got signed and they left Sacramento. And we were still going and just chugging away, you know. And I think that that's such an important lesson to learn. Like, it's going to get tough. But if you are passionate about what you're doing, those tough times aren't really that tough. They are like this awesome opportunity in front of you that you're like, I'm going to break this door down. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, man. And and being a musician and playing in bands and playing the drums, it is tough. Because like you said, like, you know, like we're, we're kind of freaks in a way. We we practice something in order to just be able to do it. That that reward doesn't make it doesn't put food on the table. It doesn't like progress as it, it might get us a what a few more Instagram followers. But it's like it, it's, it's kind of crazy that we put so much time into something just to say, yeah, I can play a paradiddle. Um and uh, yeah, when I think about that, it kind of blows my mind, man. But like you said, mate, it's all about for me now knowing what drives me and what keeps me going and just wanting to just do this for a living and just wanting to get better and progress and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's um, I've learned a lot about myself through the drums, man. 100% about just routine, dedication, commitment, persistence, being consistent with everything. And and uh, if I can make it work in this industry, then, uh, you know, I've I've learned a lot about this other industry. And I, d- I don't know, man, it's... um. Yeah, I love it, mate. I absolutely love this instrument. And I love just over time, just meeting new people who are just as driven as me and just just trying to just do better and just always be one step ahead and of, of yourself, you know. I think I think talking about being driven, I think for me, mate, back it, it started off in school, you know, just just quickly to end it off. Just being, you know, the 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 dumb kid or like the one who like I mean, mate, in, in, I had to get, this is, this is how, this is why I can't read books. I had to get, when I did exams, I, I used to have a teacher next to me to read out the question because when I read it, it didn't go into my head. Really? So I used to be like, I used to read the question and say, what do you mean? And they, they could say it three times and that was that. And uh, I remember just thinking, fuck. So I think for me, it's just all about like just wanting to do this for a living and just proving all those fucking people wrong, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think, like I said, that sometimes drive is built out of negative outside forces, somebody doubting you. I mean, doubt is definitely probably my number one or number two driving force. I love when people say, "Oof, I don't know about that. I'm like, that's all I needed. Thank you. You just confirmed it. It's yeah. happening. Like I, I just needed you to doubt me. And if kind of like Michael Jordan in the last dance, if I can't find somebody to doubt me, I will search that out and I will keep telling that same idea to people until somebody says, I got to be honest, I don't see that working. I'm like, yes, that's all I needed, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. So from now on, I promise any idea you tell me, I will tell you it's impossible and (laughs) and you just have to promise to do the same for me. Yeah, I will do Uh, that. I will do All right, everybody, I know this one was a little bit deep um, and we always want our episodes to be that, but I also wanted you to hear how cool it is that somebody that has honestly changed the world and actually, I mean, every time you sit at your computer, you are interacting with something that Lou Montulli had a part in. And it's it's quite incredible. All the stories I know about that time from him are just mind-blowing. But all of that... And yet he's still talking about his Rogers Dinosonic snare drum and how, you know, it, he's working on his dynamics. And I have to tell you how cool it is also to see somebody who in person, I've witnessed him as his teacher. I've witnessed him 
be that person that all you have to do is give him the information and he has it locked in for life. He is now currently smarter than he was two seconds ago. And to watch somebody like that receive the information from me and then not be able to do anything with that information because his body won't let him, that is such a fun thing to be a part of and watch him have to work through. And I I think that as all teachers, we love that moment of going like, okay, I'm going to tell you this. I will unlock the door. But you won't be able to do it because you're missing the hours. You're going to need at least 12 more hours of chipping away at this one note at a time before what I told you will make any sense. And I think that's a really cool thing to know that there are, you know, actors, comedians, tech gurus out there, athletes. There are so many people that play this instrument because they love that daily challenge. And if you can just realize where this instrument occupies a space in your life as a daily challenge, it's such a great metaphor for everything else you'll ever learn for the rest of your life. 100%. Great way to finish off the episode, mate. I can't, I can't wait to listen to this on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, our new Patreon link. Please go up and help support this podcast because if you do, one, you will become part of this great community and we will start to be able to do cool things together. But that is what will keep this podcast ad free. So it is patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. Go there now. We really, really appreciate it. And then we can start interacting with you guys and having some really cool things. Um, And it's going to be a blast. I absolutely know it. And I especially can't wait to finally get questions into this podcast to have you guys submit your questions via text or via voice and have you guys interjected into this podcast that's going to be heaven i can't wait for that man i can't and i can't wait to just get to know people mate do you know what i mean get to know more mates Mm -hmm. make make more friends and just geek out and just yeah learn together grow together do do some cool stuff create it's gonna be wicked mate i can't wait awesome all right everybody well thank you guys for listening I can imagine our little outro music is playing now. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) And so uh, I'm just going to say it. Episode 15 is in the can. Is it episode 15? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I I don't really know. I don't. I don't care. It's episode Lou. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Episode Lou. Enough said. (laughs) Boom.